0: Well, welcome back to this Summer Action RC podcast series. Great to be with you. And I hope you enjoyed that last episode with the wonderful Robin Schumacher. Uh, Great chat we had there. tonight. something really different again. Um, And I'm really enjoying this series where we're exploring some really different conversations. Lots of parts of the world and Australia in particular, RC thrives on the club scene. Clubs that are comprised mainly of volunteers who find land, who, uh, you know, build a track, who organise with landowners, you know, promote and run races, seek new members, try to grow the sport, all of that for the love of the sport, for the love of racing, for the love of the cars and the competition and the people who gather around it. So tonight, today, we're going inside one of these clubs to just see how the magic happens. Uh What kinds of things people who are in club leadership are thinking about in 2022? What the big challenges and opportunities for the future are? All these kinds of questions. For this conversation tonight, we're joining one of Australia's premier one-tenth off-road clubs, a club with almost 40 years of history, Uh, four times now a host of the national championships, including 2022, just a couple of months ago. A heap of competitive racing, a real family vibe. Uh, It's Brisbane's Chargers RC. And I am delighted to be joined by the big cheese, President Jensen Spencer, and Treasurer and Race Control guru, and I don't use that word likely, Sean Turner. Jeno, uh, Sean, thank you so much for joining me for a bit of a chat and a look under the hood at Action RC. Oh no, it's Charges RC, isn't it?
1: That's it, mate. Thanks, Scott. Good to be with you.
2: It's <laughs> yes, Scotty, awesome to be part of uh, your podcast, mate. I'm honoured, really.
0: Uh look it's uh it's a it's an interesting topic I reckon and I'm looking forward to the chat. And before we get to the club though we'll talk about the club we'll talk about all of that. But I'm interested in you guys, you know, and you, and your own kind of stories how you got to be involved in RC what it, you know, means to you. I think I'm right in understanding that you're almost at opposite ends of the kind of experience spectrum if you like. So Geno, let's let's kind of start with you. I think now you go back a little way, maybe even mm-hmm. as far or further than me. So what's the What's the backstory for you? How'd you get into RC? You know, what what did what are your early experiences?
2: Yeah, I think uh, where it started for me was that uh, I think it was in grade six. Um, so it's back in Walk G 1985, I'm gonna say.
0: Oh yeah, that's a little
2: while. And ago. uh it was the boom of the uh the Tamiya cars. Yep. And it was that, you know, going to places like toy world and back then and came up with you with your mum and you saw the the hornets and frogs <laughs> mainly and grasshoppers all with the with the b2 radio and a battery all cellophane and stuck sort of on a shelf and you kind of looked at it and drooled And um i ended up coaching mum and dad to get me one of those for one of those for christmas and grade six so that I can't tell you how many batteries I've put through that thing. I know I flattened mum's car battery. <laughs> that, was, that was the hot leads please, back then. Um, you just put it on and timed it and felt the battery till it got hot, and then you drove it and flattened yeah. it You did that on repeat. I reckon yeah. you probably got through about a dozen before you flattened the car battery, the <laughs> big car battery, that is.
0: Mum so, is very good, Jensen. <laughs> yeah. A it's couple not, of times,
2: yeah. you know, you forget. And you melt the cut you melt the uh the hot leads actually melt because <laughs> yep. you um you you leave that on too long. But that's where I started and then from there really quickly um joined it was the infancy of Keelor Electric Car Club. Um a few of us started racing in a in a, in a YMCA hall in Avondale Heights. Um okay back, I don't think I've and, heard
0: the origin story of Kilo. That's that's yeah, quite, yeah.
2: so back then there was a, a local hobby shop um some of your listeners will know Peter Orchard. Yes. Um, he owned a hobby shop called Orchard's Hobbies in yep. Nidere. Hmm. And anyway, what we did was a, it was a timber fall, as you imagine, a YMCA hall, and I used to hire it out on a Wednesday night, pour coke all over it to make it grippy <laughs> and uh, lay out fire hose. And we built a track, and that was the start of the club. Um, and people like Tony Gray, who you have interviewed on here, was part of that era. And it was back in the day where there were no transponders, so if someone was no, manually right. clicking and counting. And yep. we had coloured um, electrical tape on our aerials. Um, we had we had, had aerials. Tra- uh. We we had aerials. We had <laughs> we had to hand in our transmitters um, and have a pegboard and put the yeah, yeah. frequency we were on because we couldn't. You weren't able to turn on. It was a, hey, you, a set number of frequencies, 27, 29, and
0: thirty-six. You are talking my language. This is you and know, I have almost yeah, exactly the same origin story. A couple of thousand kilometers apart. Um, same yeah. year, same story, I reckon. I love it.
2: And fast forwarding uh, a bit, because yeah, Sean I go, but you know, jump from there to a to a Hornet. Sorry, from a Hornet to a fox. Yep. Um, and then Keel Outdoor Track, where it is today, was um was built. And yep. And we moved out to there, and then the gold pan. Uh, well, the, back then there was a lot of there was um, the Zerters and the mm, Bulldogs, the, Bulldogs uh, yeah. Vipers, and the AYK cars were really dominant. The Kyoshi yeah. cars, and then mm. um, our Associated brought out the gold pans, and that was a game changer. So I ended up with one of them. Raced in the eighty-seven Worlds, um, was lucky enough. I was young, um, eighty-seven. Was going so okay. we're in
0: the UK, right? Uh, in the UK,
2: yeah. In the UK and Romsey, yeah. I was thirteen. Uh, wow, thirteen
0: at a world's unreal.
2: Yeah, yeah, and uh, didn't go that didn't go well. I got overwhelmed with all the cool parts, and I remember I saw those. hot I don't know if you remember the hot tricks parts, those red yeah, uh, anodized. They looked good, and I thought oh, I've got to have them and put them on my car, and it totally <laughs> stuffed everything. <laughs> um, Peter Orchard wasn't there to correct me and tell me not to not to stuff around at the car. He had it running beautifully, and I kind of busted it, to be honest, but
0: raced still, another cut. Still an amazing experience to race at a Worlds though, right?
2: Surely, oh, tell me. Yeah, I could still,
0: yeah. I could still, you know, I got to see
2: Masami win, win yeah. that um, 1987 with the long cut and I saw Joel Johnson win with the Oldsmar. Yeah. Um, a lot of, you know, a lot of what you'd call RC legends today, yeah. um, you know, going getting around and it, it was a really good vibe. So not long after that, though, I probably threw it in. Yeah. At 89, I reckon, I got into okay. year 12, uh, yep. um, and, or year 11, year 12, and girls and cars, and that was it. And then about two years ago, about a year and a half ago, I got a niche, went to Chargers and
0: bought okay. a car,
2: and, wow. now, and now I've got
0: <laughs> too many. How many? Come on, give me a number. Oh, would have to be I one. promise I won't tell your wife. <laughs> it'd be, it'd, the,
2: and would be with the vintage ones that I regret getting on my other stuff, but I'm gonna go about 30 now.
0: Oh, wow, that's uh, yeah, that's a yeah. number, yeah. yeah, that's a big break. Uh, we, well, we might a little bit later on we might talk about you know what you what you kind of discovered when you got back into it. Um, I reckon Sean's been sitting there going, What on earth are these two talking about? Flags, <laughs> aerials, counting, charge leads, What? what is the Hornet? What is this nonsense? Because Sean, yeah. I, I think if I if I understand right, your story is a bit different to that, and your kind of coming upon RC doesn't go quite back as far as as Geno and I. What's the story for you?
1: Yeah, definitely not not that back that far, and and you know, like I sort of really came into it when when Geno you know got itchy and wanted to get back into it sort of a year and a half back but um i mean you know i I had rc cars when i was a kid you know Mm. i i was thinking about this before you know i i had i I think i had some sort of buggy when i was eight or nine years old i can kind of remember the shape and the the spiky rear tires and stuff and and i remember having you know a like a little um what we'd probably call a crawler, you know, with a winch and stuff, oh, you know, yeah. and, and driving around out the front of Mum and Dad's place. Um, yep. But you know, that was probably back in '87. Um, okay. You know, it was eight or nine years old back then. But but that was pretty much it. You know, I had nothing to do with RC between then and and right up until last year. Um, and, so
0: uh, so ha- how how well, why where yeah. did this ha- how did this happen?
1: Yeah. Well, um, a, a mate of mine who lives in the, in the suburb here, he um, he rang me up and said. Um, come over and have a look at this thing that I bought, and I'm like, righto. So, <laughs> over we go, and he had a little Traxxas E-Revo Mini, little one okay. sixteenth scale mini thing, zipping it around the street. And I'm like, that is cool. That's so cool. So, within no time, I'd gone out and I bought a Traxxas Rustler, and and he bought up an E-Revo, and and the two of us would just be bashing around. You know, yeah. we'd just find every local park we could, and and just bash around, and um and we did that for a while and that was good fun and, and I actually put on a message on our Facebook page we've got a community Facebook page and I said you know any RC enthusiasts in the suburb you know what do you what have you got what where do you go and funnily enough Jonathan Huntley responded to that message because okay. he too lived in this suburb and uh and he said look you know there's this club at Charges. you should come out and have a look um Andrew Carding he um he was also um around then and and responded to my message and, and said you know pine hills come out and take a look and and that's where it started I, I went over to to charges there one day and took a look around and thought this is all pretty good and i met roy um and yep. Yep. yeah that's where it started for me and I, i'd sort of got a bit bored with the bashing side of things and thought i'd give this racing a crack and i think i, I think i jumped on facebook or gumtree at the time and Found a B6.2 some second hand yep. that someone yep. was selling and,
0: and away you went.
1: And I picked that up and, and and away I went. So so yeah, I'm very fresh to the RC scene. Um
0: uh, yeah. And yet here you are not only racing at a at a nationals, you know, what, 18 months into your career, but but helping to run one a couple of months ago. We'll come back to that. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like we might detour a couple of times, but I do just want to pick up on that name Andrew Carding that we just heard there. Um Jono, do you, I mean, or, or Sean? Can you tell us a little bit about the Andrew Carding story? I think that's an important little story to mark as we go past.
1: Yeah, I I didn't know Andrew for that long. Um, mm. I um, uh, I actually knew a few people in the suburb here that, that knew Andrew very well, and mm. um, and just said what a, such a good bloke he 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 was, and um, mm. you know um, that I should meet with him, and he's interested in RCs and whatnot, and so I went over to Pine Hills one evening um, when they had a race night there, I think it was a Friday night after work and, um, you know, I was watching the happenings and I just happened to say someone's look, is is there a bloke Andrew Carding here? And he, um, he came over and introduced himself and we had a great chat mm. and him and I just clicked straight away. And I just thought, you know, what a such lovely man. And, mm. um, and I said, you know, you should come over to charges and, and have a few races with us over there, you know, and, and he did. Um, and, you know, got got involved to some extent with our club as well And, um, yeah, unfortunately he wasn't with us for that long But but that was the short time I got to know him And he was, um, yeah, a great bloke Just hmm. so giving and and um, wanting to help people And, um, yeah, yeah, just sad that we lost him so soon Yeah,
0: and, and you know, I think, I mean, I, I didn't meet Andrew um, But a deeply, deeply respected uh, person and, you know uh did a whole lot of work around raising awareness around prostate cancer and fundraising and all sorts of things which some some of his friends continue and so I just think you know having mentioned the name, it's worth uh just making that note about a deeply deeply respected person who gave a lot um and you know, certainly a sad loss um and our respects to uh particularly to andrew's friends and family um as yeah, we pass absolutely. as we pass through yeah
2: I just can I just add on that yes yeah, Scotty, for sure. one of the one of the 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 luck Bit of luck i fell into was um yeah similar to sean um same story and uh, uh at pine hills i i raced there after he passed and his family had put together a a raffle package which was which i think zach ryan built and was a mm. brand new hb all painted up with his uh leg, man up legacy yep um all the gear and and I bought a raffle, bought some raffle tickets, and I had a feeling I was going to win it. I'd never win anything, but I thought, <laughs> oh, I'm going to win this, this car, and I actually did. Wow. So I've got the Andrew car wow. Man Up car sitting here, and I've been yep. debating what to do about it because only a week before, I, brand, I bought a brand-new um, Kyosho MP10E. Okay. Bought all the tricks for it, had it all built. Gary Sturdy built it for me. It's all schmick. and. I raced it once, and then I won a car. So mm. anyway, I've decided next year I'm gonna, I'm actually gonna run that car because yeah. that's what the members in Pine Hills yeah. said I should do. So I'm gonna make sure it's visible to. Help
0: uh, a, yeah, it's a great way to honor the memory and the cause. And uh, uh, yeah, good on you, great fellow Andrew Carding. Good story. Um, so let's let's get into kind of talking about charges a bit before we kind of go digging deep. Let's can you. I don't know, Sean. Can you give us a, a bit of a general description of charges? You know, what, what what kind of racing? Where? What what are the rhythms of the club? Um, yeah, just give us a little bit of an oversight, an overview. Yeah.
1: So charges at the moment. Um, it's it's been in different locations over the years, but we're we're currently at Carroll Park here in Brisbane. Um, so probably twenty minutes out from the CBD, um, and we we you should go on out
0: fast of- to get there in twenty minutes. What kind of car do you drive? <laughs> oh,
1: don't don't get me started. But uh, but uh, yeah, um, we operate out of a council facility there. Um, so we um, a very good council facility, mind you. Um, mm. And I think the club's been there for probably probably four years, three or four years now. I think um, yeah, moved I think there before I got involved.
0: Yeah, I think it's a little bit longer than that. I think it goes back to a sort of was it eighteen. Yeah, I'm thinking a bit longer, but that could be right.
1: Yeah. Um, so yeah, we we're we're a one tenth um, off road electric yep. only club, um, and yeah, we meet every every second Sunday throughout the year when it's not raining, hmm. um, and yeah, pretty much it's a full full day of racing for us every second Sunday. Hmm.
0: And all the all the normal ten scale off road classes, two and four wheel drive and buggies and some some junior racing as well a junior class is that right
1: yeah yeah that's right so we we have um, what we call our novice class um so but funnily enough a lot of our juniors have, have sort of progressed out of that novice class and are racing you know in two wheel stock four-wheel stock so um but yeah we still do have our novice class um for any people that are new to the the hobby and yep. and wanting to sort of you know improve their skills and not feel too much under pressure um so yeah two or four-wheel drive stock and in uh, our modified class and our stadium truck i believe um jenna will vouch for this that it's it's probably going to be the the premier class for 2023 the numbers seem to be growing in, in that space so really good to see and uh, a lot of fun the guys have when they're racing in that class
0: it is the class of the moment at charges that's that's certainly how it seems on the forums jenna how, how did you i mean had you encounter charges again when you decided to come back and and you know how did you get I guess I'm interested in how you got roped into, you know, you're now the president, um, but you had 30 years off or whatever it was and you're only just back and you're straight into it. So what's what's the story for you about your involvement at Charges?
2: Yeah, I think I found it probably not so, I didn't put out a, a post like Sean, but I was uh, probably scratching around and Googling and actually um, messaged, or Gopal responded to a message that I put down. He was the president at the time. And said, come out and, and have a look. So I did. Um, and, you know, the, I, I don't know, straight away missed it, as in missed it from years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, ended up, you know, racing and looking forward to racing and doing all the things I used to do. It's a good break from, uh, you know, it, I like the technical side of it and, yeah. and, and how different it is these days with uh, YouTube and all of the online uh, help that you can get and support um so i enjoy that part of it but i think um at the time look with covid um it was challenging for a number of people at the club Mm. and um there was some people needed to step up and and help and you know i think sean and i clicked um and roy probably the three of us clicked and and we kind of fell into the next agm and said well let's you know let's give a few people a break we can Mm. see that there's a few tired people that needed to go and let's let's step up and and um yeah run the run the club so i ended up just as a committee member and john huntley was the john huntley was the was the um president and then he for personal reasons wanted to step step to the side a little bit and, and i said well okay well I'll, i'm happy to step up and 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 yeah lead it with these guys and because I had such a, a good group of people behind me huh. um, or around me, and we're such a diverse group—we've got totally different skills, and it just works. Hmm. Um, it made the decision fairly easy, and we're all good mates now as well. Hmm. We, you know, socialise outside of the club, yeah. go away camping and stuff together. So I think we i think we are, and I think the club. Is is lucky that that all fell into place the way it did because yeah. um, we've been able to bring, I guess, a new set of skills to the club and give people that have done their time a bit of a break and even like yourself, Scott. You seeing you back there at the club enjoying yourself and your dad's like one of the kicks I get out of it because you guys have done your time and you know where we step up and let you guys enjoy racing again.
0: Oh, it's a, it's a very. I mean, it is a it is an extraordinary. I mean, it's a gift of generosity for anyone who volunteers. So I'm not just talking about the two of you, but, you know, in this club, in other clubs, in other parts of life, that, you know, that spirit of of giving, of volunteerism, if you like, is, I mean, it is an extraordinary gift, isn't it? And so, you know, in this particular conversation, obviously, the two of you. Um, Sean, you could be sitting at the pit table, you know, working on your car. You could be spending your nights down the YouTube rabbit hole like I do. (laughs) Um, Why are you, doing what you're doing you know why are you the treasurer at chargers rc for a hobby you've been into for 18 months um what's what's that about for you yeah
1: yeah it's a good question and people think i'm a little bit weird that uh (laughs) that some race meets i turn up and i I don't even bring a car and i don't even race um but you know for me it's um you know, success is something a little bit different, um, and for me, it's it's not necessarily winning a race. And although I, I enjoy being out on the track and, and I love having little battles between different people at different times, um, for me, it's it's not about trying to um, to win that race. Um, success for me, particularly my involvement with charges, is more just seeing the club. Being successful um, and just having everything run really well and smoothly and just having a, a really good club meet, you know, where, where nothing really goes wrong uh, and, and everybody has a good time. Because for me, what I the enjoyment I get out of it is to see people who um, are just coming along and having a really good race meet. And enjoying it with their friends, and um, and there's no glitches. There's, it just goes smoothly, and it's a great day. And, and then to get that feedback, which we generally do on Facebook after a race meet, is um, is really good. That's that's where I get my satisfaction out of you know being involved with the club, you know, and and having the likes of yourself and, and other people who have been in the hobby for such a long time, and, and have raced retired, if you could say that, um, and then deciding to sort of come back, and and have another go at it. That is like You know, I've kind of done my job, and I've I've got the club, um, you know, with the committee to a point where it's somewhere that people want to go to and and race at. So, so yeah, I'm not I'm not the one who will sit on on YouTube and watch all the videos and try and you know (laughs) make my car as quick as possibly can. I mean, if if the wheels are straight and the wings pretty straight and and uh, you know the the engine turns the wheels, I'm pretty happy, and and I'll just get out there on the track and, and just run it around.
2: Sean will spend more time on YouTube researching sound audio systems and and, and how we live stream something, and um, you know buy and sell stuff that we try and doesn't work. Doesn't work the way he likes it. He's very particular. He'll he'll research something to death. He'll bring it. If it doesn't go to, it doesn't get set up easy and do what he wants. It's it's sold like it's it's back on the back on Facebook. (laughs) I'm going to get another one. (laughs)
0: <laughs> so, I mean, in that, in that, uh, you know, in that last couple of minutes, Sean, there's been a couple of clues as to, I guess, how you and and I think, you know, by extension, the committee see and understand success. You know what 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 a successful club looks like. Um, you know, I heard you talk about uh, a race meeting that is well run. Um, you know, people feeling welcome and part of the community. You know, there are a couple of things that I heard you talk about in terms of what success looks like for an RC club. You know, are there are there a couple of other things that, you know, in in mind for you around I don't know facilities or atmosphere or systems or I don't, I don't know what what are the other bits and pieces around what a successful chargers club looks like.
1: Yeah, I just lost you there for a moment Scott, so I didn't I didn't get the full question.
0: Um, I'm just interested in how you define success. You know, you you offered a couple of kind of uh, bits and pieces there around a well-run day and people feeling really welcome. So I'm yeah, right. Curious about yeah. you know whether there's some other ways you would understand charges being successful.
1: Well, you know, I mean, it's good seeing the members being happy, you know, and and then they're getting value out of their membership as mm-hmm. being part of this club and and the kids as well, you know, giving them. A really good opportunity to enjoy the hobby and to grow and and to become our next generation of racers. Um, you know that 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 to me is success. You know and and for the club to be seen as professional, operating as a professional outfit. You know, you you almost I sort of approach it like a business in a sense. You know, running it um, in, in that sense and um, and you know and and having top races come out at our championship events. You know, like Chris picking up the mm-hmm the championships that he did out of the, the States and the nationals that we ran this, this year, you know, and, and to see a club member achieve what he did, um, you know, it, and, and giving him a club that provides him with that, that facility, that, you know, the opportunity to do that is that that that's, I suppose is what I would hmm. sort of define as a success really, um, yeah. you know, secondary to, you know, having a new shipping container for storage or, um, you know, a bit better track layout or something like that. You know, it's it's it really is about the members. You know, like that—that's what makes a club, right? So mm-hmm. if we haven't got our members and and they're not coming along and enjoying it, we really don't have a club. So
0: that is very true. You mm. can have the best facility in the world, but if there's just you, uh, Jenna, what about for you? Are there are there some? How do you think about what makes a club successful?
2: Yeah, I think Sean covered most of it, but I think there's there's a there's that balance where. You know, there's guys that want to come and race and and are serious about it and are watching the you know the, the milliscule school seconds shave off their race times and get you know, cranky when they get marshaled slow, etc. <laughs> and, and then there's the people that just turn up and bash and have a bit of fun and and you know there's and and that might be a bit casual to go marshal that person's car and and I guess it's it's creating an environment that's kind of both step in to each other a little bit. And we kind of meet somewhere in the middle where the fast guys can come and we got enough fast guys to create competitive racing, but for people that want to turn up with their kids and families and have a bit of fun that they don't feel threatened or um, uncomfortable by that vibe. So, you know, and that's probably been something we've worked really hard on as a club, you know, making it family-friendly mm. and and kind of trying to moderate some of the uber-competitive behaviour down a little bit, but respect it, but trying you know, create enough room for those that don't want to be that because mm. diversity, whether Sean said a business, a club, you know, is it, it, extremely important for your longevity um, and you need something that... Attracts, I think family is critical to these sorts of clubs. Um, there's a lot of time we all spend at it, and if you can bring your family along, even occasionally, like you know, most of our partners come and help out when we need to for canteens and stuff. Even though they've got no interest in racing, they come to the club. Yeah. Um, we we need that vibe where where that's accepted, and you know, you know, some of the characters we've got at our club, um, yeah. we've got to embrace it um, because they're they're really important uh, for the longevity of what we've
0: got. I'm just chuckling away to myself because I do know some of the characters we have at Charges. They're a a wonderful, wonderful bunch of people. Um, I mean, it, it just strikes me as, you know, being... A really important part of this conversation when you both of you use words like environment and atmosphere um, to describe a successful club um, you know rather even than things like numbers or size or any of those mm. sorts of things um, I, yeah i really like that um tell me just a little bit about um you know go to you el presidente how's the club organized you know what's what does the committee kind of look like how does it operate um you know and how does how do your two roles fit within that uh, kind of the systems of the club if you like
2: yeah, I think uh, whilst we've all got you know, our formal, typical uh, club titles of treasurer and secretary and president and all that stuff, we all we're all fairly even keeled in terms of how we how we work together. So any of us could kind of mostly step into anyone else's shoes. Although Sean's done a lot of the IT back end heavy lifting, and we need to absorb some of that knowledge out of his out of his brain. But um, from a, from a club perspective, we meet uh, fairly regularly and virtual meetings like this allow that to happen a lot easier. So usually, uh, the so as you know, our club days are run fortnightly. Mm-hmm. So usually the Wednesday before the club day, we jump online and try and make it a strict half an hour to not yeah. chew into family time. And we cover off what's happening on the weekend, who's going to get what. But usually uh, has been to date that, you know, Sean obviously does a lot of the race control stuff. Um, I'll tend to go and grab food, and Sean will. Between Sean and I will grab that. and Roy as well, mm. um, and then Sean seems to uh, run upstairs and, as in race control, and I'll kind of try and get the things set up on the ground, and and then also set up the food because that was one thing we weren't doing before. Mm. Um, that little kiosk, quickie mart thing we've got—that's a yeah. real uh, important. Part of the club, and it's not just from a money perspective. It's, I mean, that's it. it it's probably almost half, or if not more, of our revenue on a club day, day now. But yep. uh, it's it's also giving people something else to turn up to the club with and be yep. able to enjoy without having to bring their own or go down the road to the yep. local petrol station. So, but we've talked about this, and we we as we we do like this was a big year with with the events and stuff, and we're all put in a lot of time. And next year, we do want to look at ways of how we restructure the committee to be a little bit more contemporary um, and maybe not so uh, how the roles have been in the past and and look for more, more incentives and help for people to step up on club days uh, so we can actually enjoy a bit of racing a little bit more than what we are currently. Yeah, yeah. Like sometimes we don't even get like Sean says, he doesn't bring a car. Sometimes I don't get a chance to, if I popped a ball cup or broken something, I have to give my car to someone else to fix it because <laughs> I'm doing other things. And I don't, certainly don't get time to tweak it and play around with it. So um, hopefully we 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 sort of, I know it won't ever be perfect, but it would be nice to, to be able to have more people to be able to do race control. And Sean started running some yeah. training sessions on that. Um, and some more people to be able to, we can put like a rotation system where it's not every fortnight, but maybe every three or four months. Yeah. Someone can step up and run the barbecue as an example. Um, yeah. a bit and bit of and a share, sharing,
0: sharing the Yeah. Mind. Yeah.
2: So we're talking about how ways we can, we can do that. So yeah, currently, as I said in summary, there's a fair bit of heavy lifting done by a few people to make it all run, but we can all step in and do multiple roles. But going forward, we need to change that. Otherwise, it's not really sustainable. We were going to be around for a while and not kind of get, you know, tied from it.
0: Yeah, nice. Um, I, look, you've mentioned it there, and it, you know, it's come up a couple of times in the conversation already. So let's let's kind of go there now. I mean, the two of you are, you know, fresh in, back into kind of being involved in the club. Uh, You're coming out of two years of COVID. What on earth possessed you to put your hand up and say we will host a Queensland and national championship in 2022? It's,
2: it's an easy answer. Yeah, it, it wasn't us,
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was John Huntley. <laughs> yeah, so, so an inherited commitment. Uh, is that what I'm hearing you say?
1: That's, look, that's a very good way of putting it.
2: Yeah, look, and he went and did all that, and John yep. did, and, a, and he's. Recently, back at the club as well, which is fantastic, yeah, it's and good to um, see. we we love having Jono around, and he's a really quality quality guy. So he'd gone and, you know, he's a big thinker, and mm. you know, likes the, you know, likes the big things. Uh, and had he's his ideas of what we were going to take this. Jono describes it as something you'd see in the Las Vegas Strip, um, <laughs> in terms of, and we're not kidding. Um, well, I'll tell you about it at the club one day, Scotty, um, but. <laughs> You know, we, we landed on these events and look, he did we were going, yeah, well let's let's give it a go, you know, mm-hmm. anyway. We didn't we didn't get lumped with it and didn't want it in the end. He went and got it and we found ourselves, oh, we've got this got these two events to run. Um and the fact that we had what well, whilst the the nationals is obviously more prestigious, the fact that we had the states prior to that gave us a bit of a dry run. Hmm. At the nationals, but as it turned out, the, uh, the states was probably more challenging um, to run because we had we had a delay, um, we had yes. a rain. You know, we yep. postponed it by yep. a few months because of the weather.
0: The great twenty twenty two rain downfalls.
2: Yep.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: We made that call early. We, we yep. knew it was coming. Gave people a chance to cancel their airfares and accommodation. Tried to do the right thing by the travellers mm. um, in that instance, and as it turned out, it was a, it was the right call. Mm. But having so many people come to that event because they wanted to, they wanted to run at charges before the nationals, and given that's a three day event versus a five day event, everything was a lot more congested. Um, and it was a lot busier, and it was our first crack at it. And I think our CRA announced a new rule three days before around speed controllers. and
0: oh, that's right. <laughs> and
2: you know, we had all of that fun to work through, but it was a good. It really made the nationals pretty easy, to be yeah, honest. Okay. Like we just yep. had all of our templates and contacts and supplies that helped us out, and we just rebooked them all in when we thought we had and it, Got, we, we did do a survey and we got some good feedback from people, constructive feedback about how we could have, what would have been better. Mm. And we took that feedback on board and we actually applied most of it to the mm. nationals, um, which which I think added to its um, success.
0: Mm. Sean, for you, what, what was it like to kind of, you know, be involved in running state and national titles when you know again if i if i've understood the story correctly you wouldn't have even seen races like that uh, happen yeah
1: um, i never been to one never raced in one had no idea what one was about how um, was the
0: experience for you
1: oh it was it was great and and the the moment that we sort of said okay we're going to do this i i knew that we could because we have such a good team on the committee and um I just knew that we could do it. And, I, and I, I had the likes of Dave Lawrence coming up to me. He'd go, mate, do you have any idea what you have got yourself into? And <laughs> and, and I said, no, I don't actually. <laughs> but I'm going to give it my best. Um, and, and you know, the team is is on board with us. And um, I think I said at one of our meetings, I said, look, guys, you know, get on board with the subcommittees and whatnot that we're going to do this. This will be a real feather in your cap, you know, if hmm. the club pull these two events off this year. Um and everybody did you know we just we just got on with it and did what we had to do and i think both events were great successes Mm. um and i was so pleased i was part of it i i I just look back now and i think oh maybe i should have raced in the states but i just knew i was going to be way too busy um you know helping out making sure everything happened but i was very pleased to to race in the Nats, and Mm. um i enjoyed that and um and yeah heading off to um the south australian states next year actually okay to race in that so oh, and you um, can
0: just race you yes just work on your car tell stories that's it mate right I, I don't need pits. to
1: worry about anything yeah. else but just racing so um it should be good looking yeah. forward to it
0: uh, look I, I i count as one of the richest experiences of my time in IC helping to organize and run the 1995 nationals the first time the Chargers club Hosted the national titles, you know, and it it was such a rich experience for me, uh, and I really value having been involved in it. So I really resonate, you know, with what you you know what you suggested there not a, only your own experience, but encouraging others within the club to really kind of soak it in and, and to be a part of um, to be a part of it. It yeah. it does strike me as pretty fascinating that the Chargers has now hosted the national titles on four occasions. Um, yes. There may be a club in Western Australia that, you know, has also done that uh, four times, but that's – it says does say something about the longevity of the club and the quality of the people over a long period of time and that, you know, and there's almost a tradition then of, you know, within the club an expectation that this is something we do. This is something mm. we can do. Mm. Um, how, how much are you guys conscious of inheriting, you know, I guess some of that, that I said in the introduction, nearly 40 years of history um, around the club?
1: Yeah, well, we're almost like custodians in a way, aren't we? Mm. Um, sort of, you know, keeping it running for the net for next however many years um, until the, the next committee come along. But um, yeah, I, I I was quite surprised when the forty-year figure was was mentioned. I'd, I knew it had been around for a while, but mm. I didn't realise it had been around that for for that long.
0: Um, I think in in terms of the charges name and identity, you know, we're kind of in the early nineties, so that's around thirty years. But the the kind of the further back origin story, you know, goes right back to the early '80s. So, we'll and we're not too far away from putting some, a bit of that story together for the club website, so people can dive into that that history. Yeah, that'll um, be good. Yeah, Jono, what what uh, were the highlights for you um, from a club president, you know, kind of point of view of of seeing the club tackle the national and state championships this year?
2: Uh, okay, uh, probably um, it's probably instead of big, you know, we did this, we did that, there were little moments for me that really, you know, resonated in terms of that we have a really, we've we've got something good here and we've built a, you know, a spirit and a culture that can kind of get us anywhere, really. Um, So, and one of those moments was that in the Nationals when it was, wet on the Thursday and myself and Sean and Roy sat there all day waiting for the rain to stop. We told people not to come. A couple of Victorians turned up and were, I think they just want to get out of the hotel and (laughs) using space to work on their cars. Pretty much. (laughs) Uh, The men, some Donnellys uh, with with the families that were there. And, um, and then the rain stopped, and we were looking at bomb, and we saw the last, you know, rain cloud come out or the band come over. So we went out, we cleaned it, and we vacuumed it, and it looked schmick like it was bone dry with all the rain. And then I remember, you know, driving home thinking, "This is great." You know, and the forecast was all good; there was no rain the next day, and I was right. This is it; we'll have an after- a really good day. Um, so that sorry, that was the Friday, so that we did, we did get some racing, on the Thursday, so it was the Friday, and then remember driving in and just seeing it just started raining. Um, as I was about 10 minutes from the track and I, I just wasn't expecting it and got there yeah. and the track was just underwater. Yeah. And, and I just had, we had all these people and there was this big level of, I guess, guilt that I felt that all these people had traveled. We'd set up, you know, this big event and everyone sort of stuck undercover raining. And I, and we had one wet back and, uh, and like Gary Sturdy said to me he had another one uh, back in the um, yeah, back at his at his workplace, which is about a 15, 20 minute drive. So I went and met him there and I was so pissed off. Um, that that I was I was actually almost like I was gutted. Hmm. And then but as I turned up, I just saw would have been 30, 40 people on the track with mops and brooms and blowers and
3: hmm.
2: vacuums and and I just thought, you know, we're gonna do this. Hmm. And we um, got the other vac going, and I think it was it was raining at eight a.m. and and it's just stopped about 8, 28, 30, and by ten a.m. we were going again. Mm. Um, and was, I just and at that point it was like shit. I got to go get the lights because we will. <laughs> and and I was really determined. Actually, it wasn't just me. We were really determined that because um, one of the bits of feedback that I had heard on 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 other podcasts and stuff was people weren't traveling because they weren't going to make the A's. And it's a long way to go for one C final. And I went, no, you know what? Everyone pays the same entry fee. Everyone's entitled to three finals. So we were determined to run through three finals. So I said to Sean, oh, if we start at 10, what's the race sheet look like? And he said, we're pushing into 7.30 p.m. And at that point, we just flew down the road and got lights hmm. and um, never used them, never turned them on, had no idea what they were going to do, whether it was going to work, whether it was going to be crap. Um, and we we all flew down the road got these lights turned them on and i reckon that was the highlight um yeah. racing racing in the night with a bit and it started to drizzle again so the the third final was a was a, a an additional challenge to the track it was very it, different than the first two
0: it definitely was
2: <laughs> and it was fun to watch and people what i liked about it was people just took it on the chin like they mm. didn't complain about it and say oh you should be postponing and they saw how hard we all worked to to mm. kind of give everyone a full race day I and mean. we so that for me was was the highlight um probably yep. over 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 the over the year really
0: it, it i mean there's two things for me that you you know you've got me thinking about one is that there is nothing in the world more optimistic than a bunch of RC racers standing around <laughs> around a wet track <laughs> yeah <laughs> everybody you know it's it'll be all right it'll stop raining it'll stop raining it'll be fine um but yeah just you know just the uh also, you can't be Australian in 2022 and get upset about the weather, right? It's been such a freak year of, um, you know, of rainfall and rain interrupted everything. That you know, it, there was just a kind of a, all right, it is what it is. Let's just deal with it and get on with the show. Um, yeah. yeah, look as a competitor um, and a storyteller around that race meeting, it was, yeah, and the state titles really fun to be a part of, and, and you guys did a great job. Um, I want to talk a little bit about, uh, for a moment, just want to shift gear here a little bit and talk a little bit about relationships that the club has. And so I guess I'm thinking here about, you know, what kind of relationship you have with your landowner. And so I think that's Ipswich City Council. Um, what kind of relationship you have with importers or retailers, you know, industry kind of people around the country and, you know those two sets of relationships in particular. What do they look like? But how important are they um, for a club to kind of function really well? Uh, you know, Sean, what's what's your kind of vibe on those relationships with industry and with your landowner?
1: Yeah, well, the landowner being Ipswich City Council. You know, um, you know, we work pretty closely with them, um, and and we lease that facility off them each year. And um, we've we've actually been very fortunate because um, the, the council have. Uh, what they call sport and recreation officers that um, I guess look after uh, a number of clubs and um, there's there's a young lady there Andrea who is our representative and and she is fantastic to work with Um, responds to every email and phone call that we make and goes out of her way to try and accommodate our requests Um, and you know it it can be difficult to get stuff done through council just because of the 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 layers of you know approval and whatnot and, and bureaucracy but um, you know we have a, a wonderful relationship with Andrea and, and she comes out to our events she came out to the state titles and, and the nationals and spent a couple of hours each event out mm-hmm. there with us just you know talking about it and and how well we're doing so um, we, you know I actually even spoke to Andrea today I mm-hmm. we've got an issue with, with one of the power boxes and, and she was out there with the electrician on the phone with me and we we're talking oh. through the issue so you know it, <laughs> just really 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 lucky to have her yeah. Um so yeah, that, that's on the, sort of the landowner side of things. But I guess you know, in terms of um, you know the other the industry side of things, you know, it's it's almost um, you know we need each other. Mm. So um, you know they need us as a successful club and uh, and all the other the clubs around the country to to be successful and to to maintain membership bases and, and keep people interested in the hobby to support their businesses. Mm. Um, and, and we need the support from them back, you know, um, whether it be financial or whether it be the likes of, you know, Mick from Speedy RC coming out to the track and and setting up and and helping us with parts when we need them. So, you know, we it, it's definitely a two-way street um, in that regard. And um, you know, we we try and have really good relationships, particularly with the businesses that are that are local, but but you know, also not so local. Um, so, yeah, yeah, definitely very important
0: so jenna just you know who maybe let's just run through some of those um industry bodies businesses that have supported the club just you know it's a good chance to mm-hmm. give them a shout out We've speedy rc's there oz uh, oz rc was one of involved in one of the big events who are who are some of the other um there's, companies there's no doubt
2: involved? um Natho builds is one that he's yep. always almost first to put his hand up young guy at of keel who's started his own sort of boutique business and got some good stuff and He's always generous um, to, to to us and turned up to both events um, as well. So so from a, you know, a an RC perspective, the two local, like you said, Speedy and RC are, are our two our two main I guess supporters partners. Uh, when, and from afar, uh, NATO builds plague bearings. Get on board almost every time we run an event. Uh, we've got some local businesses as well uh, hybrid landscapes which is uh, Don Blackman's business he's always supportive and yeah. um, you know so I, I think there's no there's no shortage of support when we ask for it mm. I think the challenge is though like Sean said we both need each other mm. but the the global economy and how it works of being able to order things from anywhere at any time and people mm. being price sensitive you know we try to encourage our members uh, to support our local businesses in particular mm. and you know i think in most cases we do but it's it is it's very different back in the 80s scotty where there wasn't an internet where you couldn't <laughs> actually do that um, what there was no yeah. internet what there are was you talking no about internet? no internet uh, as you know so yeah yeah, we are we're very we've got really good relationships with with all of those as, as well. And, yeah, nice. and like and it goes both ways. Like, you know, recently Gerard at Oz RC had run an run an event, uh, an RC show at his at his shop there in g Bung and asked us couldn't he borrow our audio gear. So hmm. you know, I took the audio gear there, which was our, our race day gear essentially, hmm. and uh he, he borrowed that. Sean picked it up and so you know and then it's sort of yeah. yeah, we we try to help each other out any, Mm. any way we can
0: Now we've talked family, kids, culture, environment atmosphere, you know relaxed but serious, the team, the relational stuff we have not talked at all yet about the racetrack, uh, the centerpiece, if you like, of any RC club. And you, Chargers has such a unique racetrack, a unique off road racetrack. It, you know, we use this thing called a sick surface, which is some kind of glue or polymer or something that holds all the dirt together. I don't know. Super high strength, really low wear, really consistent, um, pretty, a bit hard on cars and tyres. But just, just tell me a little bit about. You know, f- and understanding that you've inherited, in a sense, the the track. But what's the thinking, and what's that track surface and you know whole story uh, been like um, to work with, Jono? What's the what's the six surface story for this racetrack?
3: Yeah,
2: I think uh, I, I, I think, and you might correct me here, Scotty. I think Gary Sturdy and and that era were the ones that kind of brought Marshall Thomas in, who's the owner of Six Surface back. And still does lots of bms bmx tracks yeah. and i think the the thinking was as we know everyone's busy and it's often hard to get volunteers and help to do maintenance and, and all the rest of it so it was to create a, a a track that required low maintenance but also was relatively clean in terms of cleanup so yeah, back in the, back in the keelor days i would strip my car down to every nut and bolt and bearing and we put my bearings in Chevrolet oil and put them in that was that was the routine before every race i haven't touched my cars for a year um you know and pri- primarily i have been a bit busy but there's also you know they they come off the track fairly clean you can blow them off with an air blower but so there's that i think yeah uh, and and it's all Marshall's moving into the diy uh p- part of his business where he's essentially helped us Develop a a capability that we're self sufficient now and don't have to go to him and council um, as much to do to do things. Uh, I think there's room at our track, though. You know, as you know, we've shuffled things around. I think there's room for one more really uh, a lot of thought put into how we do it, and we start from scratch and we fix all the drainage um, so that when it does rain the tracks the water runs into the right spots and we're not sucking up puddles and we're also can move a few pipes around and also run in either direction and mm-hmm. i think at that point we kind of buy ourselves something that could sit there for many years mm-hmm. with very little maintenance and we can uh you know create some type of variety by running in opposite directions and moving the things that moving the pipes around at the moment. The tracks not quite geared up that way. The jumps don't work in the reverse direction. We had big ambitions for the nationals, but with the weather, we'd have to reface every single jump and it just we ran out of time. We wanted to surprise everyone with the reverse uh, reverse circuit.
0: Oh, I still wish we had managed to pull that off. That would have been fun. it,
2: (laughs) It would have. But um so anyway, I think The next, I think, the next time we do this, which might be sometime later next year or possibly even the year after, whenever it is, we will put a lot more thought into it. Get minds like yourself, Scotty, to help come up with a a design that's, yeah, that's got lots of options. Hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, an off-road track that is low maintenance from a from a club. Manpower point of view, as you talk about there, really is the holy grail. Um, and I know, you know, I know a little bit about the club, obviously. And you know, I think there's part of what's driven the club in that direction has been a couple of venues where there's not been access to water, you know, to to ready regular permanent sort of source of water. And so, you know, that yeah. which is so often used to bind dirt tracks together, being water, hasn't been available to the club. So this has been uh, an option that's you know that's kind of offered an alternative. And I think I like I
2: like the fact that currently, I mean, it may not end up this way because I know there's other clubs looking at it, and and rightly so. But the fact that it is a, you know, something a little bit different, and the high speed um, buggy racing is is really cool to watch. And I mm. know uh, people who travel to race at our club do come back with a, you know, do say so with a smile on their face and, and really enjoy it because it's a really it's a big difference from what they are used to.
0: Mm. It does, you know, it is true to say, I think, that, you know, there's been this global shift towards more high traction off-road racing. And, you know, we've seen that in carpet and astro and artificial surfaces, but we're also seeing it in, you know, in treated dirt tracks. You know, things like sick surface or oil-based tracks at, um, you know, Keylor, for example, um, one of the Sydney clubs has gone that way. So, that definitely, there's been that shift in that direction and charges have been, you know, right in the in the middle of that shift over the last few years. Yeah, so I think we're, you know, we're getting sort of just keeping an eye on the time here. We've probably just about done. But I'm interested, you know, we've talked a fair bit about what has been. Um, I'm interested, you know, for both of you really to kind of reflect a little bit about what's coming up for the club. You know, how you're thinking about the next year or two. What are you know, what are the big challenges or opportunities that you see, um, Sean? What's what does 2023 hold for the club? And then, Jenna, I might ask you to kind of crystal ball a little bit beyond 2023 but Sean what's the next 12 months look like for charges
1: yeah so you know as you know this year's been such a big year with the mm. the two big events that we held and um you know we as a committee we sort of said well what what do we want to do 2023 and I think we all unanimously agree that it was you know shift the focus or the spotlight back onto our members and um just get back to some some good club meat racing you know and um and our club Events. I think we have like a, or we hold a, like a Southeast Queensland event um, we did previously. So probably running something similar like that. Um, and we're throwing around some ideas of, you know, um, getting some sort of competitions on the way and, and perhaps even naming them after, you know, some of our life members in the club. So um, doing something like that. And, and we've got a few ideas around a new policy that um, we want to present to the members to see whether or not, you know, um, uh, we can help out. Um, when when members travel away to to different events and whatnot, so it, we're throwing around a few ideas in, in our head at the moment. Um, but I guess to sum it up, really, it's it's just focusing back on our membership base and mm-hmm. uh, and our members, and just you know getting back to to some um, good old club racing, I suppose. Um, <laughs>
0: Yeah, I love hearing a man who's been racing for eighteen months talk about good old club racing. <laughs> 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 it's beautiful. I did, yeah. I, I did. You know, just want to pick up one thing that you talked about there, which is communication. So, what does what does, and I will come back to you, Jeno, about that crystal ball thing. But what does good communication look like, and how does you know how do charges go about that? kind of good communication with members and, and with kind of, I guess, the broader RC community. How does that work, Sean, for charges?
1: Well, I mean, communication's really important for us, you know, and keeping people up to date with what we're doing and, and letting them know what we're doing. But, um, you know, we we make good use of our socials um, to um, to let people know what we're up to. And, you know, every race meet, you know, Jenna also does a race brief before each race and takes that opportunity when we've got, you know, people and our members in front of us to to update them on and let them know sort of what we're thinking, what we're doing, um, and get their sort of feedback on our, on our ideas. But, um, you know, we we try and make use of all channels really to us, available to us with our emails and and socials to keep those communication channels open. And I think at the end of the States, we... We even took the opportunity to sort of seek feedback from members as well. Um, So that's something else that we we might even look to do again this year. You know, just essentially ask the members. You know, what what could we do better um, at the club and um, get them involved in some of the decision making as well, even though they're not sort of on the committee as such, but they're the you know they're a member of a a paid up member of a club. So it's. it's all for them and and mm. their money and how we spend it and mm. and yeah get the ball yeah,
0: so, I mean you're you're talking two way communication. It is communication, isn't it? Two way. We're not talking about broadcasting. You know, just look. You listen. We'll talk. Um, it, that's you're, right. You're looking for two ways. Yeah, Geno, right. I've given you a couple of minutes there to kind of crystal ball gaze. Now I'm expecting something really amazing from you about you know <laughs> where the where the club. No, so you know how do how do you see. I guess how do you see things evolving? What are what are some of the longer term questions that are just sort of bubbling away for charges? And you know, how do you make progress on some of those dreams?
2: Yeah, it's uh it's not an easy answer, that one, because we we talk often about our success or any club's success really, and and what is the sweet spot in terms of membership and, and a race day. So, you know, we can continue to attract more people and then the race days get longer and people get less of a run which would then <laughs> um, you know and, and some would say it's a good problem to have, but I don't think it's the problem we want to have yeah uh, I, I think I think we're almost from a membership perspective I think we're at pretty much what I would think is the sweet spot. Hmm. Um, so I don't think you know, r- running a race day and letting people go at 3 p.m uh, I think is good. And, and everyone getting five runs is mm-hmm. good three uh, two qualities and three mains so we we work hard to to give people their, their the money's worth but um when I think about uh, Sean's pretty much covered off you know next year and we do we are there's lots of uh, ideas that we're kicking around in terms of of, of making retaining the members that we have mm-hmm. um, so that's probably reflecting on well how do we Given we've we've had all this hype this year, there'll be some people that probably lose interest and in, or and or may may look to do other other forms of racing for, for variety. Mm-hmm. How do we how do we entice the core group to be back? Um, because it does turn into a mateship, as you know, and yeah. it'd be nice to yeah. to keep all the good people together and and enjoying it again. I, I think. When it, when I look at like so down in and I talk to the guys in Victoria where you got Keelor and Knox and and then there isn't much more I don't think up until I think there's a there's an on road in Bendigo and there might be a, a track in Wodonga, um, we're fairly spoiled here in mm. southeast Queensland with uh, as a whole with you combine one eight one ten on road and off road
0: incredible I think
2: yeah. I think we've got a lot of choice mm. and and i think there's room for and i'm already thinking about this instead of being competitive and not intentionally competitive but kind of you know we're pulling people in their our clubs and and vice versa where we're essentially fighting for members is not the right words to describe it but we are you know all touching t- tapping the same people to be part of our our, our club maybe there's more we can do together yeah. uh, and, and work with some of the clubs where oh, and, and Sean, if he was at, at the under the table, I could feel him kick me in the shins when I say this, <laughs> but but maybe, maybe there's an opportunity for a combined membership model mm. um, where we work with another club and we could offer variety uh, with a surface mm. and we can offer variety potentially under lights, which we don't have and they have. Um, how do we kind of work together where we can Offer our people hmm. maybe some one racing and some one eight people some diversity into the one ten world hmm. by introducing one ten. I don't know. I, I'm sort of thinking, scratching at that. But i yeah. again, as Sean said, we're we're uh, you know we're in positions to represent members of the club. So these are things that I'll kind of kick around with the committee, hmm. uh, and then see whether there's an interest more broadly for our our members and also start talking to other clubs about how, how do we actually do things better together? Um, cause at the end of the day, the membership, isn't a really big number. When you're talking about a hundred members and people pay 80 bucks, mm. you know, a year, the memberships, but being a member of something is, is important to people. Mm. And if you can actually offer a membership, um, that gives you more and gives you more access to things, um, that, that you wouldn't normally have instead of being a member of two clubs, mm. um, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. That that comes to mind Scotty, but I I think that's probably about as far as I got with my crystal balling.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's the good thing like um and we we regularly meet like we talked about earlier in the show and um you know we we like to throw these ideas around. We're always thinking of doing things differently or doing things better or or trying new things that haven't been tried before and I think that's what I really enjoy about this committee and and being part of this club is that you know, we're 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 trying to be a bit progressive and to think through different ideas and um and just yeah create new opportunities, I suppose. Mm. Um, which has been which has been really good.
0: Nice. I reckon that's about a good spot to leave the club conversation. So as we finish, I'm just going to drag you back to the beginning, which is your own stories. And you know, um, I guess I'm wondering what your uh, own RC you know racing kind of hopes are for 2023 for yourself uh so sean you know i know you talked about going heading down to south australia but what do you hope uh, 2023 looks like for you with a transmitter in your hand as opposed to <laughs> a keyboard yeah uh, what's that look like for you next year
1: yeah so um 2023 um definitely the trip to south australia i wasn't really contemplating it um but Geno, in, in sort of encouraged me to, to go down, and a number of the other guys are going down. So I thought, hey, why not? A um, bit of a road trip with the boys, in a sense. Yeah. There's, um, there's room
2: in our room, Scotty. Marshy's <laughs> Marsh,
1: <laughs> Marsh in there too. so
0: Oh, that's it. I'm out if he's in. Yeah. <laughs> no, I love you, Marshy. Love you, mate.
1: So, yeah. So, I mean, um, that would be good. Um, I'm, I'm, as I said, really looking forward to that. Um, but I, I'd like to sort of maybe step back a little bit from the sort of race control and race calling side of things mm. um in 2023 and and spend a little bit more time in the pits um mm. with the guys and girls and and you know maybe focus a little bit more on my racing and even though it's not um you know any ambition of mine to be crossing the line in first spot it's certainly good to to um be a little bit competitive out there yeah. on the track and, and we've sort of done that with yeah. yeah um just to challenge yourself i suppose and, and see how good you possibly can be so Um, so yeah, that's probably 2023 for me, I'd say.
0: What about for you, Jenna? What's your 2023 RC driving story look like?
1: Yeah,
2: I'm a, I'm a bit like Sean. I want to, I'd like to make time to make a little bit more time for my racing as well and try and get, you know, more consistent and probably where I'd like to think I could be, Mm. um, so I'd like to do that. You'd be happy to know. I think I'd be definitely a good challenge for you. In how many YouTube videos I've been watching lately, in terms of what, <laughs> what I want to run next year. <laughs> um, I've uh, I when I when I when I got back in, I just grabbed the Okemos and I've run them. I haven't touched them, but um, you know, we we talked about local support and other things, and and I'm I'm, yeah, I'd like to I'd like to, yeah. You know, cleanse my stable, my race stable that is, and actually be able to race alongside and get some support, not support, like you know, help and, mm-hmm. and tips and stuff from people that know what they're doing and can can help me get, you know, a little bit better. So I'm I'm kind of going through that debate in my own head at the moment about which way I want to go there. But um so yeah, a bit more racing. And like Sean said, that interstate race, the two events that we did this year, we were so well supported by mm-hmm. the state. So I, we definitely want to have a charges presence visible to equally yeah. support the other interstate clubs that, that supported us. And which is why we've, as Sean mentioned, we're, we're thinking of ways to come up with a, a policy that we can help our members uh, actually mm. turn up to an interstate mm. event as well and represent themselves, make new networks, meet new people mm. and also represent our club. Um, so nice. That that's that's me next year. I, I hope to kind of get on the plane a bit and, and drive around and do some, yeah, do some racing at other places.
0: But from a personal point of view, Jenna I just I don't want you to get too much faster. I think the last time you and I went head to head, it was a knockdown out battle that you know we finished yeah, it was, two millimeters apart on the finish line. So I don't want you to get too much faster. Uh, that, that was that, that was, was perfect. Fun. That, was, <laughs> that was good times, yeah. gentlemen. Thank you so much for the conversation. It's uh, perhaps no surprise that. You know, most of our conversation has been around culture and environment and atmosphere and teamwork and communication, these kinds of things. We talked about the track a little bit. Um, We talked about family and kids a whole bunch. We talked about fun and we talked about what it means, you know, for the two of you to give uh, generously of your own time and talents uh, with a bunch of other people to run a successful RC club. I've really enjoyed the conversation. Uh, Thank you both for your time. Uh, And all that you do, Uh, and I do wish you uh, not only success as a club, but plenty of good times with a transmitter in your hands going forward. Thank you, gents. Thanks,
1: Scott. It's been great chatting to you.
0: Thanks, Scotty.